I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And welcome to Barbie Horse Adventures podcast. <laughs> I wanted the, to say that it's the adventures. Uh, it was the adventures of the magic crystals. Get it right, <laughs> dude. Now you're gonna make me bring up Crystar. Hold on a second. We can get into this, but this is an actual game that raids used to send to people. No, I'm aware. <laughs> but do you, do you remember Crystar? I do. Oh my god, Crystar. Okay. Anyway, we, this is actually the Blizzard Watch podcast. I'm sorry, we're feeling a little punchy this week. Uh, I'm Matt. That's Joe. We, you guys know how this works. Um, top stories. We'll just jump into those as fast as possible. Sloth pet. She's out. She's here. She, you can have her free. She's amazing. Uh, she, you can wear her as a backpack. Like a yeah, you pre-shows. You wear her as a backpack. I'm doing so right now on my character because, quite frankly, um, it's just. Look at her. Look at her stretching. You can't see her unless you're watching. Anyway, yes, very cute. Um, I did a post for the site about matching transmogs for basically you want to find something that either matches the kind of gray and off-white fur coloration, which is hard to do. There's not a ton of armor that's in this kind of – it's not really white. It's more of a – like I said, off-white, but it's not really off-white either. It's more of a like very light gray. It looks almost dappled. And then the the darker patches on her eyes. The first thing that happened to me when I got Daisy was, of course, realizing yet again, as I realized once every couple of years, that Chewbacca is a giant sloth. Yeah, pretty much. But the Wookiees are sloth people. Yep. They have the big claws in their hands. They climb giant trees. They're sloths. Um, and if you're thinking, but a sloth couldn't get angry and rip anyone's arms off. There, there's a thing called a giant ground sloth that only fairly recently went extinct the past few you know, like between 20,000 years or so ago went extinct. The thing routinely killed saber-toothed tigers. Yep. So they weren't all, like, they all had slow metabolisms. That's a sloth thing. Uh, and another thing, and then we'll get on to actually talking Ma- about Megatherium, like, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, the current, there's two current living sloths. They're, they're two members of the family. One of them is in the same family as, as Megatherium. The other is not. Uh, and they're not closely related at all. They're they're about as far apart as you can get and be sloths, but they they live in exactly the same way. So of all the sloths, and we've had a lot of sloths, we've had ocean sloths, we had cave digging sloths, we had giant ground sloths, we had all sorts of different kinds of sloths. The only two that survived and made it to the present day are both arboreal, slow-moving tree sloths. And they're not closely related. They just both hit upon this strategy. Yep. They were both like, let's go live in trees and do nothing. We don't have to eat so, very much because we don't expend a whole lot of energy. And, they, and plus, they automatically have a lower metabolism. The Xenotherians just to have a lower metabolism but all than that, other. All that so to say, all that to say, Daisy is cute. Look at her. She's adorable. And the smile she has is the best part. She's just sitting there on your back smiling. And you're like, I feel better just looking at her. 
All I know I, is that I want them to hot hot fix it so that when you have her on your back and you mount and you get off your mount, that she just appears in your back instead of having to resummon back in her back to your back. I was really sad that someone told me, "Oh, it's really cool to have her on your back when you have your you're in various you know druid forms." So I got on my druid and she wasn't appearing on my back. Yep. I don't know what the deal is, but it's real sad making. Like I was being a bear, and I'm like, why do I not have a little sloth on my you back? You can kind of cheat it, and I was doing this last night. If you have a druid in your party, you can um, use the reflecting Arrow mirror, them? or reflecting prism, thing. or whatever it is, the uh, the one that lets you copy people. And if you have her on your back, she'll she'll show up. But it's kind of like the, the weird, the way that all things show up on the back when you do that. So, really, she I did, did notice... If you if you turn into a giant ogre, like if you over the ogre costume, she doesn't appear on your back. She appears floating over your head, <laughs> like she's on your back. You can also use the uh, the what is it the sky mirror, the one that lets you be the pet, and you can have. You, you then can, you're a big sloth with a little sloth on your. No, back. you're a little sloth. You are a daisy sized sloth with a daisy on your back. Yeah, the daisy is smaller still. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's how I heard that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Daisy's awesome. Um, also, the nine patch nine point one's on the PTR. Yeah, lots of interesting stuff there. There, one thing we know is, for example, uh, there's going to have a new uh, Soul Cinders, I believe they're called, are coming in that'll allow you yeah. to bump your legendaries up to rank five and rank six. I don't know yet if they can just if you can just jump to rank five with this Soul Cinder, or if you have to make the thing and level it all the way to rank four and then jump it up. I don't know how that's going to work. I hope it's the latter. It's uh, going to. I, expect, I mean, if it's anything ahead. like the current one, you can. I think you can jump right now. Yeah, I, but you can jump to up to rank four right now. Right, but I'm wondering if they're going to do the same thing. Do that. I hope they do. I hope you can just jump straight up to the new the new legendaries. You might still have to make it and then jump it up. I, I at least hope you you can jump from one to five. My only problem is, I, I'm curious because it's will only they'll only drop from layers nine to twelve. In Torghast, which I think is is interesting. That's coming too, right? What's that? That's what's coming in the net, the, the Torghast. Yeah. Yeah, so. But I find it I, interesting because they're doing exactly what they said they weren't going to do at Torghast. Well, I think they honestly looked at it and said, well, we're getting rid of the, the Terra Groove, so now people won't have to stop after a certain point when they die. So it's okay to make stuff be reliant on harder levels because you can get them if you're willing to die a few times. Which I mean, on the one hand, ugh, three, three. Here comes six hours in Torghast. But on the other hand, at least you know, if you're determined, you can get it. Yeah, I just don't like the idea of again that item only dropping from there. I'm hoping that they maybe open it up a little bit more. Like at least Soul Ash is sort of ubiquitous. Like you go into Torghast at any level and you can get Soul Ash. And so, like you walk out with something. But if like let's say you can't get to a layer nine or twelve. Um, or you are doing it in a, a suboptimal spec for Torghast, and yes, there are suboptimal specs, uh, then you don't get it, potentially. And that's the I only way you. to go to five to six. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just, it yeah. feels a little weird. I, I don't, we don't have answers to these questions. And there's a plenty of other questions. I mean, we're, we're going to still, we still have, one of the things that's really fascinating to me is that we know more story stuff. We have like an idea of stuff that's going on in this, but we still don't know. What's actually going on in this expansion? Oh yeah, no, I lo- yeah. I kind of love that actually. That is one of the things I find it like. I find myself wondering if between the pandemic and the fact that we know this expansion is going to last a while, if we're going to shift to a thing where we get longer patches. I'm fine with that, honestly. I don't necessarily mind it. I just find myself interested in if we end up with like a six, because at this point, I think this thing's coming out in like late May, early June. I thought originally it wasn't going to. But they've been doing a lot of testing on a lot of stuff, so oh, I yeah. honestly find myself wondering if it'll be out by the end of May. And if it is, that's—I mean—that's a long time. That's like seven months. Mm-hmm. But if we see six or seven months between patches, if the patches come, I think that's a—that's a sustainable cycle. I mean, people will stop playing. That's absolutely the case. People will stop playing about four months into a patch. If you don't have anything new coming, they will stop. But if it's only going to be another three months, they'll come back. That's it's it's a known cycle. It happens all the time. It it's you see people really dropping out at the end of expansions when it's like, okay, we put out this last patch, and now you're not going to see another patch until the new expansion. 
which ends up being a year away. I'm looking right at you, Miss of Pandaria. <laughs> oh my God, Miss of Pandaria. What were you? How long was it? Wasn't it 14 months? 14 months. You can't go 14 months, guys. No, nobody's got that kind of stamina. But I'm doing the same rate for 14 months. Nope, nope. The people are going to stop. There's no way. But I mean, we talk about that a lot, too. We've talked about that a lot in the past year. We've talked a lot of it over the years. It's all about finding a cadence that that works for whatever you're you're releasing, whether it's Mm -hmm. every three months, four months, six months, whatever, as long as it stays in a regular cycle. And you accept that players are going to come and go. That's just sort of the nature of WoW at this point, right? Like, people are going to drop off, and then they're going to come back. And they're going to drop off, and they're going to come back. And you that sort of just has to be baked into the expectation a little bit. It's not like it used to be. Like, back during the days... Go ahead. I was just saying, what is... I, exactly, because I mean, back in back in you know the days of vanilla and BC and Wrath, there was this mentality for MMOs that was just across the board at the time that you had to have consistent high numbers of subscribers. Period. You couldn't have any ebb and flow, and as a result, you had to keep pushing content, whether it was good or bad content, to keep people playing. And then it moved on to. Uh, we saw some things where they started introducing more things to try to get players to be more engaged and constantly in the game. And I think they're finally, over the last three expansions, starting to kind of try to figure out exactly what they want it to be now in sort of the modern climate. You started to see it with Legion. Uh, Battle for Azeroth tried to f- find that balance point, And I think they're actually, I think the pandemic might have been useful in this regard. I think they're starting to figure out that they can do longer development stuff and be okay as long as what they send out at the end of that longer development cycle is good and meaty for the players, uh, then they're good. They're good for that other, you know, four months or whatever the case is or, or longer. Everything you're saying is really important and cool. And I, I have to interrupt and point out that I just found out that if I do the night elf flip forward, the, the sloth on my back just stays the way they are. And so you can end up doing some, nasty flips with this sloth kind of like going yeehaw (laughs) cute as heck but no joe is completely right i I do think that if they can hit a point where they where the the spaces are predictable if people know okay it's going to be that we're in this content for six months and maybe there'll be like a mid 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 patch smaller patch that will bring a few new things but this content will be here for about six months and then we get the next one that's sustainable and we could get to like 9.4, 9.5, 9.4, 9.5, and that'd be two years down the road from the from when it launched, and that that makes sense to me. It works, uh, but we'll see what we end up with. I know that 9.1 is going to be really, really big and full of a lot of stuff. It's going to have the raid coming in. Um, it's going to have the Torgath revamp, the Mega Dungeon, the Mega Dungeon. I'm almost more interested in, not because it's going to be better or anything, but the Mega Dungeons are always how with this. The mega dungeons are cracked. They are, they are, they are harkening back to a time when you'd go into sunken temple for eight hours. They're they're harkening back to the days of uh, Karazhan 1.0. Yeah, I honestly feel like they they feel more like sunken temple to me, like original sunken temple. Oh, I, I, just, I don't, I don't disagree. You lived there. I was like, <laughs> I hope you, I hope you like Blackrock Descent because like, yeah, Blackrock Depths Black you're going to yep. do Blackrock Depths for a while, man. Yeah, because you went in there, you you had to dedicate several hours to it. It wasn't a quick run. Yeah, I remember one time when I was tanking that for people I didn't know. Like, I don't know how this happened. I, I think I was just wandering around uh, Stormwind, and someone was like, you know, hey, you, you're like you're a level fifty warrior in Stormwind. Will you tank our our sunken temple run? And I was like, man, I got nothing to do for the next couple hours. Cut to five hours later, still in sunken temple. And I'm like, guys, I got to get going. I will pay you. Like, look, <laughs> I don't really owe that much. I will pay you real money, man. Like, um, how much money we took? No, no, no. I cannot abuse this power I have that I don't deserve. And so I remember, like, I, I managed to finish that run, but it was like it was like six hours and, in, and I missed dinner, and I was real cranky. Yeah, and, and as as uh, Deboots points out in chat, uh, Ion said that. Uh, mega dungeons are they take the place of 10 man raids and that is interesting design philosophy because again 
Think of the ten man raids we used to have back in the day. What was it? Uh, was ZG ten man? Was oh, it twenty five? Uh, ZG, ZG, and AQ have both had twenty mans. Yes, in addition to forty minutes. That was in that was in classic vanilla. Yeah. Let's say. The ten man really started coming in Kara. in BC with Karazhan and Zulaman. Yep. And then, of course, we had 10-man and 25-man raids throughout Wrath. Every raid was both 10 and 25. But I, I like the idea of having sort of that smaller content, uh, but still feeling epic in a large scale. I think that's really cool. I think it's, I think that's an important part of WoW's identity, if anything else, right? Like being able to, to go into one of those experiences with a five-man group or five-person group and, you know, tear through at wh- however long it takes you it it harkens back to that time like i love those feel i love that feeling i love i love feeling like i'm back in those days doing that it's gonna sound goofy but i like the grind of it a little bit I'm, i mean i just got done talking the pre-show about you should never like respond immediately to someone's i like this with an i don't like this so <laughs> i won't you can but, you can well, absolutely it's not that i don't like it it's that for years I was a tank. And tanking in, in, in original vanilla WoW created a mindset that I don't think players understand because anyone who came up more recently, they changed the way tanking works. Uh, they, made tanking fundament- they made tanking fundamentally about, it's much less about threat management. It's much more about survival management, mm-hmm. like having the cooldowns and all that. And even when they've gone through and they've made tweaks and so forth, like they made threat harder this expansion. And if you are tanking this expansion, I get you. I feel it. I'm sorry. But in general, I have this, I didn't relax playing World of Warcraft when I was in a group for five years. Yeah. I was in, I was in Wrath of the Lich King content. And finally, like, I remember like, this is metaphorical because we weren't actually in physical contact, but the guildmaster basically put his hand on, his sh- on my shoulder and said, Matt, I want you to DPS for a while. And I was like, but I'm terrible at DPSing. I'm never, I'm not going to do the right. He goes, I don't care. I want you to DPS for a while. I'm like, but I'm like one of the best. Ta- yes, you are, but you are miserable and you are miserable to be around. And th- that really to me was, it was an eye opener that, they made the right call changing tanking to the way, the way that they did, even though they've gone back and forth on it since I was never happy tanking until after wrath of the Lich King cataclysm. I love tanking cataclysm was the most fun I've ever had tanking because cataclysm was when they were like stuff just sticks to you. You don't have to do anything and you do tons of damage because of vengeance. It's like, Oh my God, this is like a, in a candy store. I'm so much fun. So of course they got rid of it. But that aside, I, I do feel like mega dungeons do have a lot of that feeling to them, that, that sense of, because even when it was tense, there was always that sense of what is this? Like if you, if you never did black rock depths before, and it was your first time in there, what is going on? Where are we going? Why are we heading down this way? What's over here? Now we have to go into this room and flip this giant gear. Like there, there is some crazy stuff going on in those old dungeons. Blackrock Depths felt like a raid. Like, straight up. It felt like a raid. Oh, yeah. No, it absolutely was. Or even, like, like Upper and Lower Blackrock Spire. Like if you if you did a complete Blackrock Spire clear, you could go in there with, like, 15 people. Mm-hmm. And just clear the whole thing. I mean, just... Which would take you forever. Oh, my God. A full Blackrock Spire clear. Upper and Lower. Oh, my God. You're there all day. Like, just just, just move in. Just get a cot. You're, you're, you live here now. So yeah, I, I am interested in seeing the, the, what the Mega Dungeon feels like. Plus, it's got a pirate dragon. Yeah. I don't think I can talk enough about the pirate dragon, quite frankly. So I'm not even going to try. <laughs> but yeah, and I, I'm, and I think it's one of the things I'm I'm also most excited for, just because, again, like MegaGon was a really good time for me. Like I had a blast in MegaGon. Going in there, figuring it out, doing the hard mode at the time. Like, they haven't even discussed if there's going to be a hard mode version here for this either. There might be, there might not be. Don't know yet. They haven't really talked about it. Um, Unless I missed it, which, chat, keep me honest. But I'm super excited for that because, like, it's more to explore. It's more to learn. It's more to, to, 
you know, dig through. I, I, I like it. I'm just that. I think that's the the thing I'm looking forward to the most in patch 9.1. That in, uh, and we're probably going to talk about this on Lore Watch on Sunday because I think we need to. Uh, but spoilers like Nathazim, and there's a whole lot more going on there, like a whole lot more, more than I ever expected, and I am here for it. Like absolutely, I'm I'm down for the Nathazim stuff. Totally yeah. think it's it's. It's about time we, we get some actual in-depth Nathrazim stuff. So, yeah. I would agree. And we're starting to learn more about them as, like, I, I, I hesitate to say culture, but, like, as an entity. Uh, so, like, I'm super, I'm super excited for that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, but also, uh, another thing that happened this week that I thought was pretty interesting was that the Heroes of the Storm team posted a thing basically saying, hey, guys, don't listen to Reddit. We actually still exist, and we're still doing development on this game. Um, that's basically all they said. They didn't say what they're working on or when it's coming out, but they did say we are still doing stuff. You know, don't listen to people telling you that we're not. And as a person who has in the past said that they basically had stopped, I felt like I should mention that because I'm one of those people. I said that. And if they are going to come out, if they're going to put Toxy fill it and come out and say, hey, no, we still are doing things. I feel like I should be fair and say, hey, they say they're still doing things. And then I'm going to say, what things? Tell us what things. That's why we keep thinking you're not doing anything, because you're not telling us anything. Tell us what things you are doing. Oh, I'm going to cry a little bit and let Joe talk for a bit. <laughs> I'm also kind of surprised, but like that they're doing something. I, I shouldn't say that, because like it's just one of those things we keep talking about, it, the game being in maintenance mode. And that... I. We haven't really seen a lot come out from it, which is a shame because I love Heroes of the Storm. I think it is one of the best things that they've put out. It's fun. It is super entertaining. It is a uh, I like the talenting system instead of buying items. It is an interesting take on the MOBA genre. I I think it's good and I would like to see more development for it. And Corey and I talk about this a lot whenever we have time to interact and it's just like, just I want them to do more. I I, did, I didn't want it to slow down or because uh, I understand it was a breakneck pace that they were putting heroes and uh, skins and content and events and stuff out. I get it. Slowing it down a little. Sure. I get it. Even even League has done that. Like Riot's done that with with League uh, to an extent. And but I just don't want it to stop. And it felt like for a while that they just weren't going to do anything or what they were doing was so minimal, but to, to hear them say, Hey, yeah, we're still working on stuff. I mean, it made me a little bit happier just to know that. Yeah, it's, it's not gone. It's not, not maybe completely in maintenance mode. So, and you know, for that matter, I mean, maintenance mode doesn't necessarily mean you stop doing development. It just means you do a lot less of it because you have fewer people. But at any rate, that that's something that happened and I thought it should be mentioned because you know it is the first news about heroes we've seen in quite some time since they put out the uh, Greek mythology skins for various characters I think is the last time I heard anything about that no, I've done some stuff since then but not a ton yeah nothing nothing like massive so that's it for those because we're in that place right now where until 9.1 comes out we're going to just be going 9.1 and there's nothing really all that new to talk about they did a, a big PTR dump this re this coming week but it's not a ton of new stuff to talk about it's just getting closer to release uh i will point out that they canceled the they're going to do a carazon test on the burning crusade classic beta uh today i think and they they canceled it so yeah i don't know what's up with that but uh at this point i think we should move on to doing some of them you know questions you guys send in to us uh if you have a question for the show there's two different ways that it can get on the show Three, really. One is to just, you know, get telepathy working. If you can do that and just beam it into my head, I'll, I'll answer it. Sure, and then you I'll will. Tell you to stop doing that because that's weird. But the more common ways are first off, you can email it to us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch uh, so you know it's for this show. And uh, if you don't want to do that, you can hit up our Discord. We've got the patron Q and podcast questions channel and the, um, Q questions channel. The Q questions channel is not um, 
our primary, we go, we look at the podcast, you know, the Q patron one first, because why wouldn't we, that you guys are the ones who pay for the site. We like to give you first look at, at things. That's just how that works. But we do look at them both. Uh, today we've got questions from email and from both those channels. So yay. Uh, Joe, if you don't mind reading for us. Not at all. Um, our first question comes from Jekka Hest. I uh, hope I did that right. Uh, question for the pod. Finally a Patreon. Glad I finally took that step, but I have a question for you. Well, thank you for taking that step. What do you think about the following starting ground for a new expansion? One race, probably the humans or Vicruel, whose interest in seafaring has always been gr- uh, been great, had one group of adventurers that set out long ago to find rich new lands, similar to the Kul'tirans. We never heard from these settlers again, so they have been regarded as a myth up until now when they decided to ship back to the Eastern Kingdoms. We find out that they have been expanding a lot and their city is flourishing. The only downside is that they have an old god sitting in the basement, corrupting their priesthood, which in turn has started to become aggressive and extreme in many ways. A a group of separatists sent out a ship to warn us that they are in peril. When we arrive, they welcome us in a grand buffet. Uh, buffet, okay. Uh, but as soon as they realize our new ways, they try to purge everything that isn't in their image. See, this is a mixed inspiration from Benedictus, the Scarlet Crusade, and the Church of Zacharum. That's a lot there. <laughs> what do you think, Matt? Honestly, do this. Why not just use the Scarlet Crusade? Yeah. You know, they we know that they sailed to Northrend. Where else did they sail to? You know, and it's been like how long has it been since Wrath of the Lich King? They've had like a decade or so. You know, sure, why not? Or, or if you wanted it to be something super old, like if they've been separated for hundreds of years. I mean, there was that period of time where humans were settling all those various you know, they, they did settle Calteris, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh the Leans had like fleets everywhere. Maybe they did so, but Honestly, I feel like using humans is missing a boat here because there's like so many people and there's so many races in Azeroth that could use some focus. Uh, humans are doing fine. Like, we get plenty of storytelling. It's, you know, humans all over the place. Yeah. Humans just had, I mean, last expansion, like they were there. They were one of the primary focuses. Yeah. So I'm okay with like not doing humans. I mean, and whilst I personally am, am down for elves, I could see a lot of people be like, oh, God, not more elves. I don't agree with it, but I can see it. I understand why people like we got void elves. We've got nightborn. We've got night elves. We got blood elves. We got high elves, even though they're not actually playable. We got a lot of elves. Um, and yeah, you're right. So if we, we maybe shouldn't be elves. Trolls, well, we just got the Xandalar. Orcs, just got the Maghar. Torin. Yeah. Seaborn, you know, angry Torin, who've got, especially since we, we've actually seen Torin over the years. We've seen the, the, the Yongal. We've seen the Tonka. We know there are offshoot Torin. And we know that the original, except the Shu Hollow are unique amongst Torin. Like amongst the, 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 the people descended from the Yongal, the Shu Hollow are fairly unique in being somewhat peaceable. Yeah, they they have the Earth Mother that they worship, and they're relatively into being in tune with the Earth, and they're not particularly aggressive. They wouldn't have had the problems they had if they'd been aggressive. They would have just wiped out the Centaur. They would have gone to find where their children were and, and burned them. The Yongal would have done that in a heartbeat. The Yongal were bred to be like that by the by the uh, Mogu. The Mogu took the original ancestor of the Yongal and made it bigger and more aggressive on purpose. So they could basically unleash them on the mantid. So I th- I really would like to see more Torin stuff. I like I think for 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 a horde race, we could have like this group of Torin who have their own like you know continental like culture that they've they've set up and they're they've they started out maybe they were Earth Mother worshippers, but now they're super aggressive. Maybe they've been corrupted by an old god. I mean, they, the old gods live in the earth, so that's a possibility. I mean, there's I just also- think. That could be kind of cool. And plus, it's not the same old humans. Yeah. you know, Or maybe there's something that focuses more on and, and not just uh, to throw another race out there, but one that I'd like to see something more explored is Tortolans. Like, we got some of their culture and some of their stuff in Battle for Azeroth. We understand a little bit about them, but they're also a seafaring race at, at, at that point. Like, 
they could go anywhere. They could be heralds. They could welcome us. They could be explorers if they wanted to. Um, they'd complain about it the entire time, but they'd still probably do it. I'd like some more about that. I'd, I'd like more about, I like more about non-player races. I'd like more Tuscar. I'd like more, um, offshoots of Torin. I'd like to explore the world a little bit more in, in sort of that depth of here's everything that we, don't know anything about really, or we, we have like some shared history that diverges. I like that idea. You know what I wanted to see more of for a while now, and we didn't get it. We got a tantalizing glimpse at it, but didn't actually get it. Hmm. The ogres. Right. There was that whole thing where you've got this culture of ogres who have this almost Roman empire thing going on. We barely uh, touched it. You know, we just barely touched it, had one raid inside of it. And then that was it. I was like, my God, this is a disappointment. If you keep, they keep saying they want to do playable Vrykul, and not by they, I mean players. Players keep saying they want playable Vrykul. Can you imagine, like, if you also had playable ogres? Yeah. And they, they were like acting like these ogres and not just like, you know, big dumb ogres who poop on the ground everywhere. And seriously, get the poop out of Dire Mall. It's been decades at this point. I'm sick of it. <laughs> it's disgusting. Stop pooping on the ground. You uh not fan not a fan of the ogres having a poop into the ground. Fair. But but the ogres in in, in uh Worlds of Draenor, that wasn't them. Why can't I remember the name of the Emperor? The the Gorgon? No, Imper- the, Imperator? No, the Empire itself was called something. It oh um Wow, yeah. Keep talking, I'll figure it out. But my point being just you could imagine Gorian. find The Gorian Empire. Yes, thank you. Uh, but like the Gorians, imagine if some of them came over and went off and settled their own place during the Second War, whilst we were all fighting. These ogres just were like, nah, "We're not staying here," and they went off and found their own place. And now, thirty years later, they show up and they're like, you know, both sides have to figure out how to deal with these weird pirate ogres. You could go even more with that too, because ogres had been shown, at least with the Gorian Empire, to have mastery over. Uh, arcane elements and potentially even more than that. They could have p- figured out ways to travel through time and space that could really mess with things, especially if you start talking about like uh, maybe they figured out how to tap, tap into Titan artifacts. Maybe they figured out how to type in, uh, tap into. No, they figured out how to tap into Titan artifacts because at the end of that raid, hi mall. Yep. Uh, that's what they're doing. They are tapping into Titan artifacts. But there's nothing that says that they couldn't possibly do something like that. And, like, you could totally do that. We could have an ogre-centric threat. And I'd be A-OK with that because we barely got to touch it. Like, what happens if they figured out how to go to different planets and colonize? Uh, or what if they figured out how to go to different places on Azeroth? Like you're saying, during the Second War, they just came through the portal. And we're like, all right, well, they're going to go fight. We're going to go find some places to go make a new land because back home's not exactly great anymore. Like, they, up, they, they worked as mercenaries for the Horde in order to get through the portal. And then as soon as they, you know, were through, maybe they fought in like two battles and ran. Um, or for that matter, what if we know that there's like, when you look at the Warlords of Draenor map, there's like just out of sight in the, on, the, on the map, south of, of Nagrand, there's like a little continent, like yep. something's down. Um, you can just barely, like I'm actually looking at it now in the in-game. There's obviously a landmass just south of Nagrand and the Spires of Iraq. I don't know what it is, but it's supposedly where the ogres originally come from. Clearly, Outland is just this initial continent of Draenor. Mm-hmm. If you go and look at the two of them, Outland is the central part of that continent, the, the, the sustainable survived part. And that, to me, says, okay then what if that place down there ended up crashing into somewhere else? What if it, like when it, when the world got torn apart, those ogres who had mastery of arcane magic put their continent in a bubble. And it's like the plot to Supergirl, except with ogres or, or they figured out how to use uh technology that like the, Nar- uh, the of, of the like leftover from crystals or, or the Ara- yeah, the Arakoa, the Arakoa had, had their weird crystal technology. What if they figured out how to use that or, what if they, you know, literally just some way or another, they survived and now that they're they're here and 
maybe they're like on Azeroth conquering like some continent we've never heard of right now. I, I just, I just feel like, yeah, I'd like to see other groups than, you know, humans again. Not that, not that I have anything against humans. I am a human in real life, unfortunately. Uh, okay. I have a little something against humans, but I just, I, I would like to see your basic ideas sound. I'm just tired of humans. <laughs> you know, that's, that's my thing. Well, it's, just, I think it's just because WoW has such a, a rich, like, grouping of races that could be tapped into and it's not that i don't want like to finish the night elf stuff out and get some form of closure it's not that i don't want to see what happens to the humans in the wake of everything that happens with with shadowlands um but i feel like we've had a lot of stories focused around trolls we've had a lot of stories focused around elves we've had a lot of stories focused around even orcs at this point and yeah, they're good got, like, the yeah yeah I- and it's good, but it's like we could have more gnome stuff. And I can't believe I'm saying this because gnomes are dirty, uh, weird, creepy masterminds that will one day destroy Azeroth. Um, you but play with goblins. Goblins are just dumb. They're going to blow themselves up. They're not a threat. Goblins uh, absolutely are a threat. Are you kidding me? There's nothing more <laughs> dangerous than a dumb person who thinks they're smart. <laughs> but, but you could do wait. you could do more with those. You could do more with goblin lore, for that matter. Absolutely. Um, like, you know, imagine if we turns out this whole time we thought Undermine was gone, but they've actually been sitting down there. You know, they've they've reached out to an old god that's protected them. And now you've got weird old goddy, you know, fanatic. Like they feel like Warhammer 40K ideas, but, yep. you know, fanatic goblins and, who are going like, to spread the word of their their lord and master. Bob. And I should feel that I need to point this out to for those in chat and on the recording. I'm being flippant in my comments. I don't actually think goblins are dumb, and I don't think that gnomes are are dirty. Just make that perfectly clear. This is this is me being trying to be funny about it. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, in all sincerity, the issue with goblins is that they have technology that they don't understand because they drink magic rocks that give them ideas. Yeah. So it's it's not not surprising that they don't necessarily know how this stuff works. Yeah, and I mean the gnomes are in a weird position too cuz think about it like they're they're coming from this ancient technology that they're trying to re- like at least in Mechagon they're trying to recapture some of their you know life before the curse of flesh but it's been how long how much is that that you know skewed from what their original culture was and so they're they're playing with machines that they don't fully understand they're playing with you know technology that's older than they are by an order of magnitude that could lead to some very interesting contraptions. I mean, Mechatork himself is now a Mecha gnome. Maybe it's, it's unclear what they really did to him, but like you could do some really cool and interesting things with it. I, I, I just think I'm with you. I think that we could explore some of the other races and maybe make one of them the central focus, even if it's like an episodic content. Um, I'd be all about it. I think it'd be really, really cool. This is not to say, for instance, Joe pointed out that there are plenty of other stories that we do want to see finished. Uh, we're not saying drop everything. Don't, never tell me anything about humans again. We're just saying that if we're going to do an entire expansion about some group, you know, showing up and, and doing stuff, maybe it could be somebody else for once. That's all we're saying. Yeah. I think we should move on, though. I think we've spent some good time on that one. You ready for the next one? All right, this one comes from Shadana. Question for either podcast from Shad. The Blood Elf Zandalari Prodadin. One, which villain do you wish had more of a story arc and or a more important ending? Uh, This question is in response to your recent discussion about Lady Vosh dying in a dungeon. Uh, And two, if Blizzard ever decides to stop doubling down on the scale of the story and comes back to this is bad, but not world ending. So let's stop it. Storytelling. I was thinking that some dungeons quest lines would be fun to explore the story of characters who just dropped away. What would your choices to flesh out these characters, either through the current timeline content or time travel? Um, So let's start with the first one. Are there any villains out there that you would like to see? more of or something of a more important ending to actually get to see Deathwing. Okay. Then the entire expansion and Deathwing barely shows up in it and barely thinks or speaks. And the fights we have with him are just big Kaiju fights. 
One of them is a big kaiju fight on his back. So it's not even a kaiju fight. It's I'm fighting with his back while he flies away and barely notices I'm there. And then it's, oh, now I'm a giant ooze monster. Fight, fight, fight. Deathwing was a complex, complicated, plotting, paranoid schemer. The fact that he was also a building-sized dragon was, you know, that was kind of like his fallback. If I can't trick you, okay, then I will kill you by being a mountain-sized dragon. But first, Deathwing should be trying to trick you. And not just you. He should be trying to trick a lot of people. Deathwing doesn't go in for the for the for like, you know, small cons. Deathwing's idea of a moderate con is becoming king of a nation in, on Azeroth as the first step on a much larger plan to ultimately control the entire alliance. Yeah. That's like and even that's just like that's like like step one, you become king of this country. Step a, use this to marry the, the daughter of the of the king of Lordaeron. You know, there was like a big series of plans going on there. That should not have turned into he's mad and he wants to let the old gods eat everybody and he's just mad and wants to let the old gods eat everybody. Even when he is doing that, and it's depressing because there's a short story that you get a sense of Deathwing in. The one where Thrall and Deathwing have their little confrontation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You actually get a sense of Deathwing the, the schemer, Deathwing the thinker. Deathwing's, like, offended that Thrall is even being considered to stand in his place to stop him. Not because, you know, because Thrall isn't a dragon. Like, what are you talking about? You can't use this. And it's that kind of sibilant silky menace that you did not get to see during cataclysm at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the closest you got to it was the day that Deathwing came and, and that's, that's a funny quest. Yeah. Like he's, he's more of a, a maddened beast at that point than he is. He, he's like a, sh- a shadow of his former self. And that's to me, that's, it's a real missed opportunity. Like we could have had more of Deathwing in those raids. Imagine if at the end of, Bastion of Twilight, Deathwing shows up and, you know, we have to flee him because he is Deathwing and he is not going to just, you just killed his mate and ruined his chances for all these eggs he had going on. And now he ruins the place. He tears it down and you have to get out. And there's no question of stopping to fight him. And then afterwards, you know, you find out that Deathwing has been manipulating all these people to do all these things. There was even a thing in the the expansion that ended up not getting used, where there was going to turn out to be traitors. Yeah, um, and they didn't use it, although one of them still ended up being a traitor. But I just, I, you could have had so much more of Deathwing actually being that that smart, cunning villain who uses his giant dragon status after the fact. Like that's 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 a, that's his. That's the stick that he threatens you with. He doesn't necessarily use it. And I, I just, honestly, I've always felt this way about it. Yep. For me, it's Vanessa Van Cleef. And here's why. They had, the Dead Mines was that whole thing. There was a whole quest line leading up to it. And it was absolutely fantastic. You kill her, or so you think. And cleverly, she faked her death because... Players were affected by the neurotoxin inside of the raid, and so it was super easy to be be manipulated and to think that they, uh, you know, defeated her and killed her. And then she goes off and does, you know, Vanessa Van Cleef things. She then shows up in Legion, uh, where basically you as the adventurer are made one of the leaders of the Uncrowned in the Hall of Shadows. It's the uh, Rogue Order Hall. Uh, and as you're getting toasted, Vanessa attacks and incapacitates all of the rogues. And it was Vanessa Van Cleef was planning on taking that final spot on the uncrowned console challenges to the adventurer to a battle to claim it and then loses. And what does Vanessa get for her trouble? She becomes a follower, a order hall table follower. Like that is so terrible. Like she was one of the more compelling villains that they've had over the years. I mean, her father was, you know, father being wronged, everything that happened with the rebuilding of Stormwind, watching her father die to adventurers who are sent to deal with the Defias Brotherhood, who really are kind of right to be cheesed off at what happened to them. And then 
she just becomes a follower and now she's doing nothing. But it, it's this, this sort of thing that I look at it and they left this sort of dangling carrot there that they never, ever, well, I shouldn't say they, they never talk about, but they haven't done anything with yet. And I want something to be done with it. Is there's this moment where, um, Lord Ravenholt tells Vanessa that her father would be disappointed in her for her actions, but they never say which actions it was. Was it the trying to overthrow the uncrowned or was it failing to overthrow the uncrowned and then becoming somebody's lackey? And that just sort of hangs in the air. And I just, it seemed like a sort of inglorious end for a character that could be so good. You talk about those smart characters. You talk about those characters that have plans within plans. Like she always struck me as somebody that was intended to be that and have plans and have like was sort of like righteous justification for her actions and her own, whether legitimate or not to justify what she does and what she needed to do. And I just, I just felt like they just never did enough with her. They could do so much more, and she's still alive. She's there. She never died. She, she participated in uh, the battle for the Exodar. She in battling against uh, General Rakish uh, alongside uh, Garona. Like she's important enough to be a part of that pivotal moment. Why not do more? So that would be my pick to have something done more or a more important ending, even if it's she figures out what she's going to do and it's not just be a follower. I'm I like, you talk about like f- going away and, and founding a, another nation or something like that. I, I was very surprised, like incredibly surprised that she didn't show up with the pirates that she wasn't in battle for Azeroth with all that, like that entire setup. Because that seems like it would have been a perfect place for her to start trying to do something like take over a pirate fleet or become a pirate herself. They wanted to have a boat to begin with to attack Stormwind. Well, here's pirates with a whole bunch of boats. Why not do that again? Or do something more with it or realize your dream and become your the full potential. So um, now the second question, just to sort of round it out here, the, the, the Blizzard ever decides to stop doubling down on the scale story comes back to this is bad but not world ending. What would be fun to explore? as far as that goes. And I think partially we talked about it a little bit with the, the ogres, but are there other things that you'd like to explore a little bit more? And Matt is gone. No, I'm here. Are you thinking? Yeah. I mean, partially I'm thinking partially. I'm, I was hoping you'd be talking for longer because I had some chicken dog in my mouth. (laughs) The joys of podcasts and live folks. Meeting today until just before the show. So, um, one of the things you just made me think about, you're talking about the, the the boat they were building. One of my big disappointments with Dead Mines, every version of Dead Mines, has been that that boat never comes out, it never launches. My, the boat should there should be an entire fight on the boat as it steams up the coast towards Stormwind. There should be a whole thing where. During your your fights with at least two or three bosses, the Stormwind Navy can't stop this gigantic ironclad monster ship. And just as it gets into range of Stormwind, the final fight should commence. Mm-hmm. So combine the earlier thing about people coming back with the idea. Imagine if Vanessa has basically gathered together like whatever her of her original crew she could get. That are still alive. We know that Cookie isn't, because Cookie is actually in the Shadowlands. We saw him. Rip, rip Cookie. Yeah, but you know she gets together who she can get, leads a group of of you know disillusioned Defias out into the you know they they take over the pirates now that uh, Lady Ashvane's occupied. They get those guys together. They sail out to some like hidden island base and they start working on that ship 2.0. And this time it launches. And she goes right for Stormwind again. And this time you actually have to fight on that ship to stop it from getting to Stormwind before it just takes the whole city out. Right there, that's a dungeon I'd like to see. Yeah, and it's, and it's one that's not world-ending. It's important. It's big. It threatens Stormwind. 
in a way that isn't just plant creatures coming through a portal onto a hill overlooking the city. Well, plus, it's like you can see why the horde would want to stop it. Because you know, if they got they got a bunch of pirates together, they got a bunch of horde races on the crew. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know, if 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 a bunch of like angry Torin and orcs are involved in like an attack on Stormin like this, there goes that peace treaty we just got done with. You know, and so the horde sends people to stop it before it gets there, or maybe when it launches, the horde don't know where it's going. They just know that this crazy person has launched this giant boat for, for like conquest purposes. And they're like, let's stop that before it does anything. And then they're like, you know, oh, we're actually fighting to save Stormwind. Oh, and think, and th- I was going to say, think about all the allied races that have been introduced and like their confusion as to what the motivation is of like, okay, why are they trying to do this to Stormwind? Wait, you did what? Like, how does that change relations? How does that, how does that change the narrative? Like for for the for the alliance that in general, easy, man. that one's not hard. You have Anduin or whoever goes. Yeah, dragon made us do this. Oh, okay, dragon manipulate. Yeah, the dragons do that. That's that's five seconds. <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know, but I, I I don't know. I'm right there with you. I think that would be a super fun dungeon. That would be super important. But I mean, it would finally that boat. Yeah. We've had. Boat and it's done nothing for like seventeen years. Seventeen year payoff. Give us the seventeen year payoff, Blizzard. Um, I don't know. There's like there's a lot of other things you could do. Like we talked about it, like with the ogres. It's not doesn't necessarily have to be a world ending threat. It can just be a problem. It could just be, well, this isn't good, and it's probably going to have a lot of people die or become subjugated. Probably should stop that. It's not. Oh no. The universe is about to end or, oh, no, the machinery of death is broken and nothing can die in the right way. Or, oh, no, this giant mad titan is coming to do whatever it wants to this planet. Like scaling it back a little bit, I think, is good. I think it's something that I I, I want them to do a little bit more of. Honestly, I keep thinking going back to the fact that we keep forgetting that level is an artificial construct in this game. Yeah, it's it's just a number. It's it's there just to it's so you have a sense of progression as you play the game. Ragnaros is not a lot weaker than other stuff we fought. The fact that Ragnaros could come back and be a credible credible boss again several expansions later, it's nothing to do with like you know your character being stronger now and being able to walk through molten core. That's just a that's a game mechanic thing. You you barely got through by the skin of your teeth, and now he's back and he's just as hard as ever. That if Ragnar showed up tomorrow and we had to fight him, he would be scaled appropriately for the level we currently are. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about all this stuff. You could have a, a dungeon that's basically just, you know, a return of the Black Rock Orcs. You know, and you could have a dungeon full of them, and it would still. You don't have to worry about. But we fought those guys years ago. So yeah, and they're back, and they were fighting them again. I, I I definitely would like to see. I don't I don't worry about the scale thing. That doesn't bother me, but I do worry about the fact that we don't have as much side stuff in in expansions like we used to. Yeah, uh, that to me, like when you go to Northrend, there's entire quest lines, there's entire dungeons that have very little to do with Arthas. You know, you not everything is about Arthas. Not everything is about the Lich King. Some stuff is just its own thing, and I definitely would like to see more of that. And I again launch that boat my god it's been 17 years that boat has to launch it's uh, like Chekhov's gun to a giant boat <laughs> uh, but I mean it's I, I we can move on from this in a minute and, and go to the next question but I, I've said this before I've said it on lore watch I'll say it here I really want more smaller scale stories even if it's part of a larger story that's going on it's like even with Shadowlands, like the Covenant stories feel big because they're tied to something massively huge. It's I'd like to see something more about like the after effects of, of like exploration or like you're talking about the Defias or we're talking about the, the ogres or something like that. They don't necessarily all have to be these massive things to be interesting. And I liken it back to D&D a lot. And we talk about this uh, in the pre-show, and we talk about this in, when we're playing our, our off or not recorded games. Sometimes the most fun things you can do in a game 
isn't necessarily go after the big bad. Sometimes it's those little stories you find along the way, that that little out of the way town that has this really unique adventure or this unique NPC or this interaction that sticks with you. And sometimes those are the most compelling stories. And it's the same for a while. Like when you ask somebody like what their favorite memories are in this game, it's going to be super varied or like what their favorite quest is. But I mean, I know a lot of people that it's those little one-off quests. It's the little side things. I mean, heck, there's a Man Kirk fan account, and he is not exactly a main character. Um, like pe- people latch onto those smaller things because they're more personal. We can identify with them easier. I'd like to see more of it. I feel like we haven't had that in a while. I feel like since Legion, it's been just big, big, big. I'd like something a little bit smaller again. Just, just even if it's interspersed. So, all right, I think we can move on to the next one. Um, and I think that might be the time for the last one. Uh, Tetsemi asks, you are given the opportunity to reset WoW and start fresh. For Blizzard Watch, what game systems would you bring along, bring back, or create new? What are your core classes and their mechanics? That's a good question. For me, personally, the one thing that I would like to bring back, but also kind of modify with a modern twist, I would honestly like to go back to slightly larger talent pools. Um, I think talents maybe got pared down a little too much, and I understand it's a different philosophy, but part of me misses the old Diablo-esque talent trees where you had different builds that you could do and spend points and move them around. I didn't like that respecking was such a major thing. I think that keeping the aspect of, hey, you can change these as long as you're in a rest area or here's a, a tome. I like that aspect of it. I'd like a little bit maybe beefier uh, talent trees again. I think that it could be fun. I think that some of the distinct gameplay that you could get out of this game uh, back then is missing a little bit. I, I don't know if that's the right word, but that's a system that I would, I would explore to see if there's a happy medium that I could find. What about you? Um, first thing I would do is I would, I would not have shaman or paladins be the class that was specific to a faction. Um, I would not have night elves be in the Alliance and I would not have the Forsaken be in the Horde. I would actually have there be four factions to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, and their allies in Kalimdor, who would be directly opposing the Horde, but not allied to the Alliance, and Forsaken and whatever they've raised or brought up, not you know opposed to the Alliance, but not necessarily allied to the Horde. And that's one thing I would do. Uh, so if you played as a, a Forsaken, or and there would be other things you could play. It wouldn't just be Forsaken. There would be like, uh, there would probably be demons or Nathrezim or something, mm-hmm. you know. And, and it would be based around the way things were at the end of Warcraft Three. Um, but in terms of mechanics, the class I would have be unique to each faction would be warriors, and that warriors wouldn't exist. And I, people who know me are gasping right now. <laughs> warriors wouldn't exist yeah they wouldn't exist there would be no warriors because the thing is warrior is an attempt to kind of make a a, a thing that doesn't exist in warcraft exist in world of warcraft which is guys with weapons who fight for everybody and yeah everybody should have guys who fight with weapons that's absolutely true but the alliance and horde had their own versions of these things the alliance characters were footmen and knights and eventually yep. up to paladins. And the horde versions were, you know, grunts and and blade masters and stuff like that. And that's what I would be working on creating. I would have the alliance would have essentially what is an arms warrior today. Fo- you know, feature, you know, have heavy armor, discipline, that kind of thing. That's the alliance soldier mentality that you know, you fight in ranks you know, everybody, you know, they'd have like guys with shields and swords. They'd have guys with two-handed weapons. That'd be how they'd work. I'd come up with a third spec that that basically switched between the two. It was kind of like an, a, you know, a, a, can fight with any weapon, type of man-at-arms type thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And for the Horde, you'd have the Furious Berserker, you know, like with a two-handed axe. None of them would wear plate. They, the heaviest armor they'd wear would be male. And most of them would wear leather. Because if you look at Horde armor, it usually isn't very heavy armor. Orgrim Doomhammer was unique in wearing heavy plate. It wasn't something a lot of Horde wore. So for the blade master types, it'd be leather wearers. The you know frothing mad berserkers would would basically wear probably wear. They might wear mail, but with like a, a deliberately empty chest slot, something like that. And and focus on they'd be the rage people. Alliance forces would use a discipline type mechanic. And then I just stick barbarians from Diablo in, and I wouldn't explain how. And I know they're just you can play a barbarian, and anybody could play a barbarian. I'd be all good for that because, but they couldn't. They're not civilized, and because they're not civilized, you don't. They don't. They, maybe they wouldn't be alliance and horde. Maybe they'd be forsaken and night elf, like the elf group that the allied the the allied night elf whatever it would be, probably end up with blood elves in it, but because you know they have to go somewhere. They they'd be the ones who had barbarians, and the Forsaken would have barbarians, even though it makes no real sense because they've like they have that feral madness of I'm brains have rotten, and just you could probably let it be in the Alliance and Horde too, but they're not considered part of that military. You want the military types that's grunts and knights, you know, grunts and footmen, and yep. they'd have like a knights back in a, and that that's what I would do. I would definitely break that up, and. Other than that, um, I don't really know what I'd worry. I mean, I don't think I'd, if I'm going back to the beginning, I'd probably leave the original talent system in. But if I'm redoing it, instead of doing what they did, I don't, and I don't have a problem with what they did. I actually very much like what they did. But what they did was after a decade, they, they, the talent system we have now came in Mists of Pandaria. Yeah. And so what I would do instead is a much simplified version of the original talent trees yeah. where you don't have talents that take like one, two, three, four, five points to get up to the top of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you have a talent like cruelty, which gives you crit, it just gives you a chunk of crit and that's it. And you spend one point on it. Yeah. And you don't like a, a, think about the way the talents used to work. The original talent system was 51 talents that you started at level 10 and you went to level 60 and got that many talents. It's where you got the 51 talents that you ended up going 31, 5, 15 with. So break it down. You get less talents. Mm-hmm. Instead of 51, maybe you get 30. You get a talent every other level. And you start at level 2. So you get 30 talents total. Like 30 talent points. And you spend them on stuff that matters. Maybe even less. Like every like 5 yeah, that might make more sense. You've got 60 levels, uh, so every five levels you get another talent. And that's, you know, two per every ten, so that's 12 total. So you have 12 talent choices. And you make those, t- but the talent choices are closer to what they were in vanilla. You just get rid of all the ones that are just like, you spend five points on something. No, if you if you buy a talent, it's important. But it's still basically these talent ideas. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think a lot about talents because a lot of people say things like what you're saying. And I do think about how do you preserve that feeling of, okay, I can, I, if I want to, I can do the weird talent spec. Like I can be an arms do wielder, even though it doesn't really work and it's terrible. I can do it. Yeah. And I'm not saying, and, really, and I want to make it and, clear. Like, I don't think, I don't think my idea is necessarily the best thing out there. It's just my personal preference. It's something that I enjoyed doing back then because it reminded me a lot of doing that in Diablo and having those weird builds and uh, doing that in other games that have talents or or even customizing a character in D&D. Like, I like that type of thing. I like doing the weird off-kilter thing with my characters. You just can't really do that as much anymore. I think one of the things I don't like about modern talents that I would definitely work on is I don't think it should be tiers of talents that you have to pick one of three and then you can never have the other two. Like imagine if you could just, you had so many points to spend, but you could just get any, any talent on your talents, you know, pain. So if you wanted all the three that are currently on the 45 level, you could have all three, but that's three talent choices. Mm -hmm. Can't get, you know, you'll, you'll only be able to spend like six points total but you can get all three in a tier if you wanted to. Don't have tiers anymore. Just have there be talents. 
and you can pick any you know you can pick any of them but you can't get all of them but you could get blade storm and dragon roar if you wanted to have if you wanted to be like an aoe king you could do it if you wanted to have like um you know, if you wanted to be a hunter who, you know, specialized in ranged weapons and marksmanship, but could still have like two pets at the same time, you could do that. I, I feel like that's the thing in the, in the quest for balance, we have lost a bit of flexibility. Yeah. And I'm okay with the flexibility coming back as long as we keep balance in mind. Yeah, and, and I mean, and I understand that what they've done helps a lot in maintaining that balance and maintaining uh, the ability to keep the game in the place where it is because that's just game design, right? And I and I get that. That doesn't mean I don't pine for some of that flexibility. Um, it doesn't mean that I wouldn't like to see if there's a way that that could potentially be worked back in. Uh, a little bit more. I don't know. I don't think it'll ever happen, but that's, that's my bucket list item. Like that's, that's if I was shooting for the moon and I could have any one decision made in that, that would be it. All right. But I think that's going to do it for us on time. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and start the outro. Blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch. Your continued support means this podcast lighting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience. Thank you very much, Joe. Uh, again, guys, if you have an email for the show, send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com, subject line podcast at blizzardwatch, or you can hit up our Discord, the uh, Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel, or the Q Questions channel, and that's where we get our questions for the show. Thank you guys so much for being here with us. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast, and uh, both Joe and I will see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.